why, whenever I watch The Simpsons, is it Treehouse of Horror? Answer me this, answer me this. Do you take this woman for richer or poorer? Answer me this, answer me this. Now, I don't know whether we should be excited by this or slightly displeased, but it turns out, Helen, that Answer Me This listeners are no strangers to pooping a party. Good! Is that good? We're all among friends here, aren't we? (laughs) But we're all going home at an appropriate time. Well, at least they're pooping their own parties, because uh, this (laughs) is... What, we're doing a big shit on the floor? (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. That's why I don't invite you to my parties anymore. (laughs) Carpet's ruined. This is from Johnny in Lancaster, that guy you never want coming to your party, who says, in response to Katie from Christchurch's question in the last podcast, I have a foolproof way to get people to leave your party once you've had enough of them. (laughs) Namely, put on a Leonard Cohen album. Yeah. What if it's a kind of uh, miserablest shoegaze party? That's just getting the party started. Yeah. I mean, I'm Your Man is a really kicking album, actually. You could dance to that. Was that the one where he covered Wham? Hasn't he done an album with LMFAO? (laughs) It's Leonard (laughs) MFA It's a real belter Well I think Johnny's got some sound advice Actually as a footnote to this He says make sure it's one of Leonard Cohen's Early or recent albums Okay But the ones in the late 70s and 80s Are too poppy There we go Leonard Cohen fact Yes His maternal grandfather was a rabbi Mm -hmm. who wrote a 700-page thesaurus of Talmudic interpretations Now that is a great way to clear a dance floor Good point (laughs) Just read from that Is there there an audiobook? Read read by Leonard Cohen. Actually, that would be great. Also, Mark mentioned on Facebook that his wife suggested leading everyone in a big conga out into the garden before running back in, locking the doors and turning the lights off. (laughs) That's very good. Yeah, but then they're trapped in your garden. You need to lead them into a conga in the street. That's true. Also, Mm. I think Kevin Bacon has discredited any notion of congas forever. It makes me so sad that Kevin Bacon is in those EE adverts. And then when he dragged his wife in as well, I I know that it's so much money being the face of a campaign, but he's Kevin Bacon. He He doesn't need to. Well, here's a question from Derry from Reading, who says, Ollie, answer me this. What's the correct way to respond to someone winking at you? (laughs) <laughs> I think Derry doesn't give us any context No, if it's, it's Anne Robinson It's to walk off the set, isn't it? That's your cue <laughs> yeah. Whereas if it is someone peering through your letterbox <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right I think context is all um, I'm not a big winking fan, actually, generally Of doing or receiving But either um, But as a child, when it happened to me a lot more, as it does mm. um, you, I used you were to, one cat I was, I was wonked out a lot, yeah It's interesting, I remember the precise moment, more or less Where I went from thinking that winking was like a fun secret That you were sharing with a mm. cheeky, mischievous adult who understood you To the moment where I, I thought, oh, that guy's obviously a pedo Do you feel you know, like- It was probably when I was about 14, someone winked at me I was like, oh, it's weird Was that the moment that you turned into a man? Yeah, I think it probably was. Yeah, it was that watershed that realization Mm. that you know this little conspiracy of silence might actually be because they're a bit weird. I don't think I've ever had that. I think I've always found winking quite playful. Like Doris Day would do it; she'd Mm. put her hands on her hips and go wink, and a little Mm. bell would sound. (laughs) (laughs) Is this just in my imagination? No. Well, I think I think that hints at um, the shared intimacy that you can have with someone by winking across a room. So. That's what she was trying to convey in those images, those posters, those films mm. that you've seen. It was mm. it was with the male viewer, wasn't it? That and and um, also the f- the female viewer, which it's like she's uh, saying, you know what I mean, ladies, right? I actually hate myself when I wink. Occasionally yeah. do it when I'm trying to flirt, and I don't know where it comes from. I'm like, I'm not a winking guy. I'm just, I'm just not actually. a winker. I don't I don't do it very much. I, look, I feel like I'm going a bit Sid James. You, you you're, can't... you're not a winker. You look like you're having a stroke. Because <laughs> Martin, it appears, can't wink without also opening his mouth in quite a gormless way. How about when I do it? 
You're doing naughty seaside winking. You're not doing really... Uh... I mean, mine needs to be accessorised with elbows. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh... <laughs> Will from Newark. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Where does the phrase hear, hear come from? And is it hear, hear as in H-E-A-R or H-E-R-E? It's H-E-A-R. Yeah, obviously. Because hear, hear would mean, yes, I really like your speech. Come and sit on my lap, wouldn't it? That's yeah. a very odd inference. Well, that makes a lot of sense in British Parliament. I suppose... If it or, was a lap dancing institution. It used to be hear him because obviously all, all men in Parliament back in the day. Mm. And uh, if you particularly agreed with the point, you would uh, strenuously urge others by talking over it. Going, hear him, hear him, him. Oh, OK. So you're expressing your approval. You're telling people to shut up, actually. Well, you're, you're saying, you know, what he's got to say is Listen well worth listening guy. to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the words just got slightly lost in translation, as uh, they so often do. And also came just to mean approval. Well, it's Favor. just become a slur now, hasn't it? It's now just a, a slur. It's, yeah, it's just a lot of old men slurring. They're all going, oh, right. not, not a slur like a, a stigma or an insult. Just like a drunk man going, that's the noise, <laughs> isn't it? It's like a, a really crappy laugh, isn't it? Them all going, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit like jeering as well. Yeah, yeah. you're right. But that's the English sense of humour, isn't it? You know, <laughs> well done, but you're a prick is kind of what it means. Yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's used instead of applause, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Like someone sits down, here, here, like, because I remember when Tony Blair left and he got the round of applause, that was one of the few occasions where the House of Commons is apparently applauded. Was it sardonic, slow hand <laughs> No, it was genuine, which mm. is yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? With all the people that opposed him still admired the fact that he managed to last 10 years. Well, maybe they're happy that he was leaving. Terms. Yeah. Mm. Well, partly. Yeah. Mm. Here's a question from Eilish in Reading, who says, My husband and I are expecting a baby in February. Congratulations. In a few weeks, we have the 20-week scan, uh, which brings the inevitable question, do we want to know the gender? My husband doesn't enjoy surprises and says that he doesn't see why we wouldn't find out this information when there's no good reason not to. Okay. Uh, but I've come to the conclusion that leaving it to be a surprise at the birth would be much nicer. I have the fantasy movie moment in my head where my husband hands me my baby and says, it's a boy or it's a girl. The thought of not leaving it as a surprise now makes me feel upset Aww. so helen answer me this am i being unreasonable or is he being unreasonable i don't think either of you is being unreasonable you're just understanding your own personality foibles mm. what's to stop you not finding out but he can find out and not tell you that will not hold some people it yeah. holds does it maybe For maybe i'm afterwards? thinking of sitcoms i don't know <laughs> it's got to in the end it's got to crap because also if you're decking out a nursery and one of you knows the gender and the other one doesn't it's going to affect purchases, isn't it? It's going to even if you even if he is not intending it, he might do an inadvertent spoiler. And I think that is gonna create a situation. Well, Eilish, I think personally were I to have a child and the option was there, I think I'd find it hard to resist knowing. And I think it's partly so that if I didn't know, I didn't start hoping for one and then I would be disappointed if it was the other one. Mm. However, I think in this case, you're carrying the child. You can change your mind at a later date, but if you both find out now, then you'll never be able to get this surprise movie yeah, moment true. in your head. But yeah. you, So your husband may not like surprises. There are going to be shitloads of surprises <laughs> when you have the child. I think maybe he needs to go with your feelings on this since you're the one who's going to have a torn perineum. Surprise! <laughs> That's a surprise he can enjoy. Mm. Yeah. You've got a question. Then email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at
Here's a question from Kev from Preston in Lancashire. Kev says, Many years ago, I auditioned to take part in Pat Sharp's Fun House with my sister. <gasps> Already, this is a great email. Yeah. We got through! Yes! Wow. And made it to the show. Yes! What do you have to do to audition for Fun House, I wonder? I bet they made the kids feel that the production team were assessing their skills at climbing up ladders and diving into ball ponds, but I bet in reality they were assessing whether or not they were ugly. Yeah, or whether they were going to puke if they went down a slide. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. whether their parents were like really awkward and were going to make things difficult for the production. Fun right. House was an amazing show, wasn't well, it? It was well, a brilliant show. And for anyone under 20, it was a mm. bit like Finders Keepers with Neil Buchanan. What? I mean, put it in language that a lot of our listeners will understand. Stand. It was well cool in it in a big in a big ball pond. <laughs> it was yeah, it was a bit like a very elaborate multi-stage ball pond, yeah. and there were sexy twins. There were they? sexy twins. Is it Melinda and Melinda or something like that? Something That's a, isn't that Woody Allen film? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, Kev's email gets even better. He says, "Long story short, why? We- why? Tell us the whole <laughs> yeah, story." Tell us about Martin the ball wants all the details. Pool. Actually, now Martin, you don't normally go for this retro nostalgia beat. I really enjoyed that game as a kid. I really, I thought it was amazing. It was a great TV show. Yeah, it was, it was a so whole lot of genuine fun. enthusiasm. It was so out of exciting and imaginative. It was exciting, and colourful, wasn't it? but it was the same every week. So if, if you'd never saw the show, kids, what it was was every week there was a giant obstacle course, a bit like in Total Wipeout. It included a Grand Prix for kids where they were going around in go karts. Yeah, and then there was like a zip wire, and it was full on basically. It was very multicoloured, very as well. physically active, mm-hmm. but there was also some intellectual skill involved as well. There was it was some like sort... Krypton Factor for kids. It was, yeah, and it without was... the flight simulator, and, and the, the children in the audience were going mental. The around was amazing it was like kids passing through the digestive system of a garish robot with sexy twins yeah. well remember when Kev said long story short yes, we've yeah. just ruined that <laughs> Kev's story short he says we ended up winning the show good god wow. walking away with some cool prizes well done including yeah. a cuddly toy very good a crucial difference between the US version and the UK version in the US they won money ah. uh, in the UK mm. there is a law that says children cannot win money in game shows the Americans could have bought cuddly toys with the money yeah, they could have, yeah. yeah. And in the UK, they could have sold their Game Boys, couldn't they? Kev says, we had so much fun. I'm good. Lived up to his name. And we loved watching the show back live on CITV after school. That was amazing. The, the playground kudos of that is extraordinary. The trouble is, says Kev, as I'm now 26, my old school friends from back then have drifted away. And I now have new friends and work colleagues to socialise with in my spare time. A few months ago, one of my colleagues spotted me on the show as they are now repeated on Challenge TV. That's amazing. Ever since then, it has been nothing but questions. Where is the jacket you got to keep? You got to keep the jacket? How tall is Pat Sharp minus the mullet? Well, he doesn't have the (laughs) mullet anymore, so you can probably tell. Did you enjoy it? Of course! Yeah. Was it fun? Of course! Yes. Uh, Are a few of those questions Mm. that Kev is bombarded with. Mm. Answer me this. How can I politely tell them to forget about it as that was then, this is now? Well, it's recent to them, isn't it? To the viewers of Challenge TV, this is new material. This is new episode of Funhouse they haven't seen before. Well, also, even though it might not be new to them, they might realise it's uh, 20 odd years ago, it might have struck a chord in their childhoods as something that they would have longed to do and didn't get to do and they want to know all about it. It's kind of innocent, isn't it? It's also hilarious to see someone that you know as an adult doing something faintly embarrassing as a child. Yeah, I don't think I'd recognise any of my adult friends in their child incarnations on television in 80s and 90s style, moreover. But there is a reason why 
it's not an easy memory for Kev to relive because he says, what makes things worse is that my dad passed away shortly after the show. And that's all I think about when they ask me about it. So you can imagine they are good memories, but not nice to relive. Please help. Well, okay. I can imagine that. And that is unfortunate, but it's also not the fault of people seeing you on fire. They're not going to know that, are they? It's not in the end credits. You (laughs) You could kill the conversation though immediately by saying, well, my dad died shortly after that, so I'd rather not talk about it. But that would make you a bit of a dick, actually. You could. Maybe the thing to do is to write a very comprehensive blog post with screen grabs from the episodes and just get everything out the way and so when people the Anthony Weiner technique say your piece and then you can't you know then when people ask you about the future you can say well I've, I've dealt with those questions yeah yeah I think say to them well I've written about it on my website why don't you go and have a look and on your website you can say it's not uh, an entirely happy memory to plunder because yeah. of this you know huge personal thing that happened to me at around the same time mm. I think recounting the experiences might be cathartic for you and also it would save you having this conversation again and again but I don't think there's any graceful way to cut down people's genuine enthusiasm no i mean if people like martin can be moved to genuine fervor not knowing we're about to have a question about funhouse martin the most miserable man in the world (laughs) someone who doesn't watch quiz shows on tv now for adults someone who seems to hate fun in all its forms (laughs) i like it if it's in the house um you know i I think that's a genuine reaction and you're right i don't think there's much you can do about that it's real nostalgia happening and also i think you would get a lot of hits from people who don't even know you because people are fascinated by this stuff Mm. but kev if you're fed up with this just imagine how Pat Sharp feels. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, in fact, Pat Sharp has only just very recently uh, started going on the corporate slash Christmas party market really? with a adult funhouse. You can book Whoa. him and the twins and you can book them for your Christmas party. So he will bring, bring an adult-sized ball pond. No, oh. uh, it says here very clearly on the website, please note we do not bring the actual funhouse as it is in a skip somewhere. Oh. Oh, Nor do we have no. the fun cards because we lost our licences. Uh, uh, they're joking though, right? They are joking. Yeah, That's good, their good, funny okay. way of saying, uh, don't be ridiculous. You're, you're not going to give us a grand and then we're going to turn up with an ITV set. <laughs> that is very upsetting imagery. But presumably they turn up with a, with a mic and a speaker and they, uh, mm. they do lose And the song. Games. They do the song. Everyone sings Surely the song. Surely they do the song, yes. yeah. I mean, the song's one of the, and that is one of the tragedies of Jim Will Fix It, actually. And, and, mm. and I know in the grand scheme of Operation Utree, it's a minor tragedy. Mm. But I think... The fact that you can never again sing the joyous Jim Will Fix It theme tune. It's just Mm. brilliant, isn't it? The whole concept of that show is is really nice. Yeah, I thought they would bring it back a few years ago and now obviously they never will. No, they can't, yeah. A friend of mine started an online rumour a few months ago that I'd been on an episode of Nightmare. Why did they start such a... I think they wanted to really, really hurt my feelings because it made me really sad that I've never been on an episode of Nightmare. I would have loved to have been on an episode of Nightmare because Nightmare was brilliant. It's sort of sad, isn't it, that our generation is just so infantilised we never grow out of these things. But yeah, it's okay to be nostalgic about something. I had such a happy time earlier this year, listeners, when I discovered some series of uh, Davina McCall-era Street Mate on uh, the Channel 4 website. And that really holds up, not visually, because late 90s hair and clothes and particularly shoes were awful. Like men would wear shiny suits on dates with flip flops (laughs) and the girls all had these weird skunk stripes and like long denim A-line skirts and flip flops. Mm. You see the theme. But it's just quite sweet and fun. And even even though the cameramen were always trying to get boobs and bum shots in as people were preparing to go on dates, it seemed Mm. like quite an innocent and good-hearted enterprise. It would be a lot more intrusive now wouldn't it there'd be a camera in the bedroom probably well also then this was pre-big brother and people just weren't accustomed to appearing on screen so there's something quite sweet and innocent about the way they treat it they don't mm. they don't, they don't put play it a character exactly they don't yeah. put it on for the cameras yeah and davina she was a real delight maybe maybe we should all just watch old stuff and not watch any new tv at oh all. the past was a better country wasn't it <laughs> oh god we're getting to that stage i don't, re- we? I don't really believe that 
but when it comes to TV shows, maybe. Sometimes. What's the big deal about Breaking Bad? Why not just watch Street Maid? <laughs> they're not the really in the same apart, genre. No, yeah. no, they're not. What's your favourite question from our first three years that's really made you go for? Tim Curry or Tim Rice. Disposing of dead mice. Dave from Smethwick on kosher law. If you like fact or body talk. Or just a soundtrack for your walk. We've got stuff to entertain you. Because for 79 pence each you can buy our first three years episodes. Or just the good ones, who could blame you? Go to answermethispodcast.com slash classic or iTunes. And if you don't, you'll get a visit in the night from our band of Hired goons, whack, whack, whack to what they say, if you value your knees. Listeners, if you want to ask us questions in your own voices, it's very easy. All you need to do is dial the following number. 02081235877 And then open your mouths and then think about the question you're going to ask and let the words come onto your tongue and out into your telephone receiver. Or if you're Skyping, answer me this. Into, into your, your smartphone com- yeah. or microphone. computational microphone. Yeah. Options. Lots of options. That's right. Yeah, Let's yeah. see who has managed that feat this week. <laughs> Jackson Leeds. Helen and I, answer this. Is there any relation between the uh, Bourbon, the disgusting liquor, and Bourbon, the beautiful biscuit? The name Bourbon in both cases is after the French Bourbon dynasty. Oh, right. Uh, but they're not linked, the substances. So the Bourbon booze. That was uh, debatably called after the Bourbon County of Kentucky, where a lot of it was uh, made, mm-hmm. or after Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Bourbon biscuits were invented by Peak Freens in 1910, a Bermondsey-based company. So they didn't have anything to do with the Kentucky Bourbon or Louisiana Bourbon. The Bourbon biscuits were originally called Criolas, and uh, they changed them to Bourbon as a tribute to the uh, French dynasty amazing isn't it how making anything french makes it seem posh yes i think they did think it was posh and they already had garibaldi biscuits which they've been making since the 1860s and named them after general mm, garibaldi mm. because uh that seemed pretty posh so maybe yeah, they thought such an english thing and it's like oh a yeah. taste of the mediterranean well these criolas aren't selling that well maybe maybe we'd uh, shift a few more units if people thought they were posh like our garibaldis seem posh even though they're very dry mm. <laughs> i do like a garibaldi biscuit but not a bourbon yeah. very dry I wonder if there's any connection as well with the word bonbon. No. Sounds a bit like it. Well, it's got the word bon in it. Is there any connection with John Bon Jovi? <laughs> Maybe. Hello, this is Joe in Seattle. And, um, you know, this might make sense to normal people under normal circumstances. But to, to be completely honest, I hit my head really hard a few hours ago. And then I had a couple of beers, and unfortunately, the symptoms of drunk and the symptoms of concussion are the same. So I don't know, um, I don't know how I'm doing. So, um, uh, but yeah, maybe this would make sense to you folks. So Helen and Ollie, answer me this. What the fuck is Bud Light Platinum? Is this like a terrible beer that I can drink and like earn air miles at the same time or something? What was that about air miles? Is that the concussion? Uh, No, I think he's making a joke because Bud Light Platinum sounds like, I don't know, American Express Platinum, where you'd get bonus points for doing a certain thing. We don't have this product, Joe, over here. Do we not? No. Is Bud Light a low alcohol one? It's lower alcohol, Uh lighter beer, heavily carbonated, not that nice. (laughs) Is that why it's lighter? Just it's got more air in it? Well, the thing is, we've... If you want something like that, you could get a Corona, which is nicer. Mm. I think in America, they just have all these light beers because... I don't know, their taste is so different. I mean, and like, actually the taste for branding is different as well. I mean, imagine having old speckled hen platinum. 
which is weird. <laughs> it's the wrong metal, isn't it? You'd have old speckled hen balsa wood or something, wouldn't you? Exactly. So I, I, I'd never heard of this beer, but apparently Bud Light Platinum is triple filtered with a smooth finish and a top shelf taste. What does that mean? Top shelf finish means it's got big jugs. Yeah, it suggests, Joe, that you should uh, only get drunk whilst leafing through old pornography. Um, but, That's an uh, option. I don't, I don't it's know. not going to make you that drunk, is it? it if was, it's light, it's, it's going to make you belch. Thing. Uh, well, okay. Because the bubbles. So, yes, it's light. It, basically, it's the Pepsi Max of beer. I think they probably felt that Bud Light was being consumed by too many women to be seen as a beer that men were going to buy. Oh, so they thought, let's add a precious metal. That'll make it manly. It's got 2% more alcohol than Bud Light. It's got mm. Justin Timberlake as its creative uh, director. Oh, no! <laughs> Justin oh. Timberlake's career is hilarious. Hey, let's, let's donate a Bud Light Platinum for MySpace, guys. He just... Yeah, he, I, he doesn't get out of bed unless someone is shoving money into his face, does he, basically? <laughs> Such a lavoricious little prick, but, isn't he? But I would be the creative director of uh, Bud Light Platinum if they asked, I think, for Timberlake right. sums. Would yeah. you not? I, anything that Timberlake touches, I can't, I can't go near. <laughs> his, uh, the halitosis thing. I've kind of got over my feeling that Justin Timberlake must have halitosis, but I just think he's loathsome in all other ways. <laughs> it's, it's like halfway between Bud and Bud Light with a manly spin. That's what they're going for. I just think the name is a mistake. I think bringing platinum into it is a mistake. What metal would you choose? Um, tin? Yeah. I don't think you'd call it a metal. You'd call no. it something money like Hammer Party. Or Bud Light Lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. What about Bud Less Light? Bud Light-ish? Like, yeah. Bud Just Light Enough. Bud so li- it's not like you're gay or anything. Bud Light Years. <laughs> Guys, are we going to run into trouble with Pixar if we call something Bud Lightyear? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. All right. Platinum, fine. Helen, Oliver, though life is full of questions, there are answers you must know. One. No, it will not fall off, but moderation in all things too. Yes, there probably is, but we won't find out in our lifetimes. Three, most people prefer colliery, but my personal favourite is Dalton. Four, if you try and slip a one, it would ruin your friendship. Here's a question from Patrick from Cork, who says, whilst watching hit American show Scandal... Never seen it. You seen it? Yes. What's it about? It's about a lady who kind of quashes scandals that the American president and his associates get into in Washington, D.C. Oh, so she's like a spin doctor. She's more like a cleaner-upper of disgrace. Like a fixer. Yes. Yeah. She's like a fixer. But the thing is, everyone raves about Scandal. I just haven't been able to get into it. I've tried one and a half series. I'm just not that bothered. That's a good test. That's I think quite a lot. That's more than it, I did of The Wire, and I was happy to yeah. dismiss that against the tide. I've given it a good go, I think, and there are a lot of elements that are good about it, but I just don't care about what happens to any of them. Okay, thanks for the briefing. No problem. Patrick from Cork has been watching Hit Show Scandal, mm. in which the fictional president got shot. Oh, well, there's a spoiler. Well, he's fictional, no, though. That's no. <laughs> 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 what happens. Yeah, but I'm going to watch it now. Most American shows in which a president features heavily... They're going to get shot. Someone's going to try and shoot them. Yeah, or they're going to try and bring down Air Force One. Yeah. We know the form. Fair enough. Uh, Ollie, answer me this. If the president and the vice president got shot, who would run the USA? And if some flamboyant Bond villain blew up Congress and killed all the cabinet, who would then become the president? Or would there be none? Well, uh, under ordinary circumstances, the succession goes president, Mm -hmm. vice president, Mm -hmm. speaker of the house, 
Right. And then President Pro Tempore of the Senate. What's that? I've absolutely no idea. Something posh in Latin, but someone from the Senate. Even if you killed all the cabinet, yes. which is what Patrick is hypothesizing, the Speaker of the House is not in the cabinet. Ooh. And the President Pro Tempore of the Senate is not in the cabinet. And that was mm. deliberate. That was done by Harry Truman, because it used to be that the cabinet would then be the next mm. person up. And that was done so that effectively the President can't choose their own successor. So mm. it's to try and stop corruption, essentially. And also, is it the case that whilst the president and the vice president might often be together and therefore a single target, they're not often all four going to be together, you know, the president pro tempore or whatever it was? But I'd imagine nowadays, anyway, uh, the onus would be on whomever then became president. If mm. they weren't the vice... I mean, if they're the vice president, fair enough, they get to be president. That's the yeah. whole point of that job. Yeah. But if it wasn't the vice president, if it was either the Speaker of the House or the president pro tempore of the Senate... You're not going to stay president for long, are you? You're not going to stay... just a placeholder. Dip- Diplomatically, you would surely have to call an election pretty yes. sharpish. You'd at the very least have to get the permission of your party to be the leader of the party, never mind the country. Mm. So I can imagine someone coming in for a year and saying, look, I'll do mm. this for a year, but then we're going to have an election and you can judge how I'm doing. The American people aren't going to like it very much if you're just there and no one voted for you. Well, no, they wouldn't think it meritocratic. Indeed. But we've got a special circumstance at the moment because if for some reason President Obama was indisposed, let's not, let's not talk about him being killed, mm-hmm. but if he was indisposed, who would object to Michelle Obama stepping up and going, it's all right, guys, I've got this. <laughs> who doesn't love Michelle Obama? And um, who doesn't feel a bit better when she's uh, standing in front of people, smiling beatifically no, no, and no, looking no. like she's got a little joke running in her head? I, <laughs> I get all that, but I would object if I was an American citizen to that because she's not a politician that I voted for. Once an elected representative ordering drone strikes, not some, some random woman. Well, it is interesting the way that the presidential style has influenced our thinking now. So at the party mm. political conferences, which we've just had, you know, the focus is all about... What Samantha Cameron wearing? Ugh. You know, Nick Clegg's wife, whatever her name is. So She's Miriam, Miriam Gonzalez. Miriam Gonzalez. She's busy. Is she even there? She was there. She was at the conference, right. and there was the focus on what she's wearing. And A, she's that's a very demeaning intelligent anyway, woman. because exactly, she has a powerful job. But B, that's not her job. Her job is not to be a politician's mm. wife. She just happens to be one. If, yeah, Justine Miliband as well. She looks like she's got plenty of other stuff going on. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, her dress, it was £250. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? But it, that's because of Michelle Obama, isn't it? That's because that's what people say around. But we don't have that system. They're not supposed to, you're not supposed to vote for someone based on their wife. Well, they said that. Because Nick Clegg would be prime minister if you did. People, pe- <laughs> people even talked about Cherie Blair's clothes and she was not particularly well presented. Uh, so it's not, it's not a Michelle Obama thing. It predates that. But anyway, I said that this would apply in non-extraordinary circumstances. The okay. extraordinary circumstances in which this may not apply... Like like in Independence Day, where all of the Eastern Seaboard pretty much been whacked. <laughs> yeah, right. well, exactly. Well, in that scenario, I think the army would probably take control in that situation. Oh, they no. Um, yeah, afraid so, Helen. You'd, you'd oh. probably, you're saying, oh, no, now. You'd probably be grateful when aliens are invading and blowing up all the cities. But, but... Uh, I was it's just about- a very different job, though, being in the army and being the president. Yes, although you could argue that being chief lieutenant of the army is not that different. Like it's still a resp- mm. it's a it's a role of responsibility to ensure law and order, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but you've got to govern a country which is composed of half women rather than the army which isn't. Yeah, okay, for but, but again, it would be a temporary measure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, that's that. Right. But the issue that I was talking about that is extraordinary is if the president and vice president are both elect, they've both just been elected. Mm. So the current president has no power, but they have this system where the president's there for three months, right? Right. So, so you've got this this window where the elections in November and they're not fully installed until January. Correct. That window. So, that like, window. if say there was a Christmas apocalypse. Yes. Right. That's the problem. If Obama and Biden both got killed between Obama being elected mm-hmm. and George W. Bush stepping down as president, right? There is no protocol. There's no one's quite sure what would happen if well, that happened. Well, probably George W. Bush would stick around for a few more months. Well, no, because he's not elected. He's lost the mandate. What it says Yeah, but is, at, least, at least he's 
got some experience of the job, <laughs> no matter what you think of the well, way he did it. Well, what it says is, in the 20th Amendment, apparently, it says, Congress may by law provide for the case wherein neither a president-elect nor a vice-president shall have qualified, and presumably... Uh, still breathing is yeah. one of the things that would qualify you. Um, yeah, so, so they've sort of drafted the possibility there might be some reason why the elected people are not mm. appropriate for the job and then Congress can decide. But what they don't do is tell you what Congress should do. So there'd be a hell of a debate then. Yep. And they probably, I guess they probably would say, let's keep the old guy on. But that would be pretty controversial wouldn't it, if you just elected a different party. But then we'll just call another election. I suppose that's but what they do. But then time. who's the president in that time? Exactly. You've well, got, it would have to be George Bush. I guess it would have to, yeah. he'd have to carry on with George W. Bush. Yeah. It's got to be Michelle Obama. <laughs> know, just, Get the new guy's wife in. Yeah. She seems nice. Well, you know what would also be nice? Not as nice as Michelle Obama, but pretty nice, uh, is if you sent us some questions, listeners. Oh, yeah. For- yeah, that, that is nice. That's as nice Lovely. as we can get in the UK. So all of our contact details are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com And whilst you're there, click the button that allows you to join up to our love film trial uh, for two mm. reasons, really. Uh, one is because by doing so, we get a little bit of money from our friends at Love Film. I'm not going to pretend that there's any other reason we're excited about it. Well, but- I'm excited because it means you can just waste away all of your time streaming films and TV series. Well, exactly. The other legitimate reason for you to be excited yes. uh, is because you get access to Love Film Instant for a whole month on your iPad or your PC or your Mac or whatever and you don't have to pay anything for that month's long free trial you can watch as much as you like during that time and new for October on Love Film Instant the perks of being a wallflower we both agreed three stars on that one yes it's it's a flawed four star really isn't it it is Welcome yeah yeah to Helen and Ollie's film review. it's a three stars with aspiration that can, worth, worth a watch you can go back to the podcast last year in which we gave a fuller review of the perks of being a wallflower uh, I give it a year is on there that that's the one with Rave Spool pretending to be Hugh Grant, isn't it? I oh. heard bad, but again, I'm intrigued and I want to see it. That looks like a great plane film. And I do feel like Love Film is a bit like having constant seat-back entertainment, yeah, which is why I love it. And in fact, there's a great box set on there, this Ooh. we can vouch for, Ugly Betty, series one to four on there. I can only vouch for series one, but that was a very enjoyable series. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm not pretending I stuck the whole the whole course, but what I'm saying <laughs> is you, there's at least at least 10 hours of entertainment there that you'd want to check out. Yeah, and what else, what else are you going to be doing in the glumness that is October? Exactly. Watch so, Leaves fall <laughs> off the trees <laughs> so so do that give us some money get some free entertainment and if you're feeling altruistic you could buy martin's uh, latest long player which is a charity album raising funds for arts emergency martin what's the name of the album uh it's called kill it with fire it's a concept album isn't it it's it's a it's a concept album uh, it's a, a magic realist uh, socialist feminist uh, adventure but don't let that put you off you can buy it from existentialmeltdown.bandcamp.com Super. It's incredible. He's like a parody of himself, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we shall see you next week, listeners. Bye! Bye.